Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. We're your hosts. I'm Greg Knott. And I'm Darren Laners. Before I let Bill introduce himself, I wanted to send out a very special birthday greeting to a young man, Chris Ross. He will turn seven on April 6th. Chris lives in Tord Morden, or Todd Morden, West Yorkshire, uh, in the United Kingdom, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. His father's a member of Prudence Lodge 219, so to you, Chris, happy birthday greetings from St. Joseph, Illinois, in the United States of America, and from the members of St. Joseph Lodge number 970, Ogden Lodge number 754, and Homer Lodge number 199 in Illinois. I also want to send out birthday greetings to one illustrious William J. Hussey Jr. Bill's birthday is today, and Bill, I hope you had a happy birthday from uh, myself and Greg and Bill Hostler. I hope it was awesome, and I look forward to hopefully seeing you soon. And I'm Bill Hostler. We are very pleased tonight to have Mike Nichols, who is the most worshipful grandmaster of the Grand Lodge of the District of Columbia. And Mike, what we'd like to do is just have you give us a little bit of your your you know your bio, your Masonic background, and and then we'll get into some more exciting topics. Sure, I'm happy to join you. I've been. Uh, Grandmaster now for a relatively short period of time. The way things work in Washington, D.C. is our grandmasters serve for one year, and I was installed in December. And, of course, I had a lot of grandiose plans for how this year would go, and they're not quite going as I planned, and we're just adapting as we go. Uh, my background is primarily military. I uh, went to the military academy back in the Dark Ages and then served as an Army officer, Army Cav, for a period of time. Wasn't smart enough to retire, though. I got out and uh, went into defense contracting, spent 15 years at the Pentagon. I uh, was there on 9-11, and that's what I'm still doing now. I'm still a defense contractor and at the same time serving as Grand Master for Washington, D.C. Well, that background, that's unique. I We've not met you in person, and I, I just want to give a shout out. I'm a proud member of Naval Lodge Number 4. There was a period of time I was going to D.C. all the time, and was visiting and ended up uh, became a plural member, so I am a, also a proud member of your jurisdiction. So, Mike, I, I guess I find that interesting. That, and I don't know if you draw parallels between nine eleven and and what's happening now. I've actually had some conversations with friends and said, when when that happened, it, it happened to some people, and what we're seeing now is is happening to all of us. And that that seems it's hard to compare them exactly. They're they're both national events but with the, the the covid virus it seems that all of us are affected i mean darren and i we work at the university of illinois and we've been sent home to work from home what what's your experience or is there any uh linkages you see in regards to how we respond to to things like that from your from your 9-11 experience till today we were up in new jersey uh, friday a week ago uh, for some meetings, and uh, that, that's when President Trump announced the national emergency. And so we thought it might be prudent if we were to go visit a grocery store and pick up a few things. We haven't had the time to really get anything. And we went to a shop right in Tom's River, New Jersey, and I was expecting panic, basically. And when we got there, there were a lot of people. It was well organized. Uh, they were re- restricting everything to two per person. People were being polite and kind to each other. And I remarked to my wife that it had the feeling at that point of post 9-11. You know, we're all in this together. People are being polite. No one's trying to cut each other off. There wasn't grabbing or fighting over any kind of items. And I hope that that spirit continues. I, I will say that I, I sense from what I see around the country is that 
different parts of the country are in different phases of this pandemic. So here in Washington, D.C., in the East Coast, I, I suspect that we are a little bit more involved in it than, say, folks in maybe your part of the country. Uh, California certainly is, is also uh, deeply into it. So the things we're doing now here, I'm not sure that you are doing yet, but I hope that the sense of pulling together and and that we're in this one fight together as Americans, just like it was after 9-11, is something we're able to find again. You know, one difference I see now, 19 years later, is the internet and social media. And uh, I was on the on Facebook on the Illinois National Guard page, and the Guard has been deployed minimally in Illinois, mainly in a medical capacity to support some of the hospitals in Chicago. But the, the rumor mill is unbelievable. So the Guard has spent a lot of their social media time debunking all the, the wild rumors. And that seems one one difference is the speed that everybody receives information. In 9-11, it was probably the 24-7 news cycle. Now it's the 24-7 news plus you know Facebook and Twitter and everything else. And the amount of disinformation at times is concerning to me that people actually buy into it and don't know where to go for facts. And either in your professional capacity or we can even transition to what you're looking at for the Grand Lodge of D.C., how do you debunk or what? how do you ensure that people or, or brothers, in our case, are getting factual information versus what somebody shared on Facebook? Well, that's, that's a great point. From the very beginning, beginning being uh, probably late February when we started to adjust for this, we we all understood. I, our executive committee in our Grand Lodges consists of my elected Grand Line, and there's 11 of us. And we, we decided that the best way to do this was to provide sources of information, the right sources of information. We're fortunate to have one of our executive committee members. He serves with FEMA, and so he's very tightly plugged into the CDC and where those statistics come from great sources of information. And he has been terrific in putting together a list of places for brethren to go to. I also have a Grand Lodge physician uh, who's an active emergency room doctor. And so what I did was I created a COVID task force uh, back the end of February. And part of their mission that they were charged with was to come up with sources of information that brethren can go to that is reliable. We have that posted on our, our Grand Lodge website. And everything that we send out, multiple things we're sending out now weekly as part of our information campaign, includes links to where that information can be found. And finally, I just say I, I fully appreciate the things you're seeing on the Internet. I've had well-meaning people send to me uh, all kinds of information about what's about to happen. It's all terrible and horrible and, and frightening. And I try to do my best not to react to that, but to go back to our, our COVID task force and, and ask them to verify this or verify that. So that's how we're addressing it. As Freemasons, we gather. And so, of course, one of the, the great concerns to try to bring down that curve that everybody, I think, has seen the curve of if we uh, try to slow it down, you know, and don't overwhelm our medical facilities. I think that's one of the reasons, you know, as Freemasons, it's important that we have the right information because by our very nature, we're gathering together and that could help the spread of the, of the disease. And one of the things at the university I work at, we run a, a big health system in Chicago, and there's great concern, and I'm sure the th same thing would be in D.C., that the medical facilities will be overrun. 
and by trying to sequester us and and telling people to to stay home, don't go out, etc., we can flatten that curve. And if something did happen, our medical capacity would be as such that we would be in a much greater position to handle it versus if the peak of this happens, maybe like it's going on in Italy or elsewhere, we would quickly be overran because we just simply don't have the intensive care unit beds and other things to handle it. And uh, so I, I appreciate what you're doing because in D.C., in Illinois, we're a, we're a rural state with a big metropolitan area in Chicago. Your entire jurisdiction is essentially a metropolitan area. So in some ways, your members are uh, potentially at greater at risk than we are here. That's all true. As of today, we have just in the DMV or the uh, District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia area, we have about 600 confirmed cases and 11 fatalities. There are no, to my knowledge, Masons that are involved in any of that. I think there was a case in Texas where a brother passed away in a nursing home, but none in the in the, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. But your point about Masons and how we meet—that's that, really a hard thing, right? We're we're so used to to judging a man, you know, by how he gives how we do a handshake with him, or whether we give him a hug, or you know, we instinctively make judgments about people just by how we greet each other. And of course, we immediately want to show our brotherly love when we're going into an event. We had an event, uh, March 7th was our last big event, about 200 people. And we came up with a set of guidelines about how we were going to do that. And it was very difficult to just greet each other with a sign of fidelity or bumping elbows or whatever it took. It just, it just was hard to do. And we have a number of brethren here in DC. I've got, uh, you know, about 3,600 Masons here in DC. Many of them are from other countries, especially Europeans. And they're used to greeting each other with two kisses or three kisses. I forget what the code is, but that was hard to break. And so everybody's there now, of course, and we don't even meet at all. But you're right. It's been very difficult, particularly as Masons, to properly adopt the social distancing that we need to do. Darren or Bill? So, Mike, one of the the things that uh, really stood out to me was your message uh, that Chris Hodap shared your statement, basically. And uh, the gist of it was that masonry continues, that we have this technology that allows us to still be able to to meet and have fellowship. If you wouldn't mind, would you kind of uh, maybe summarize that or discuss uh, your thought process behind uh, coming up with that? Sure. Well, first of all, I, I did, had no clue that uh, Chris was going to pick that up, and I'm I'm fl- honored that he would he would think about doing that. But my message and my approach has been to try and put positive things out there. You know, Freemasonry, to my mind, was, is built for this, right? This is what we do. We support each other. And everybody, my local neighborhood has a little group together where we're trying to just keep in touch with each other. So Masonry is built for this. This is what we do. We, we, we lift each other up and we help each other. So when I put that message together, it was simply to stress that. And then on, behind the words, we have actions. I appointed a uh, COVID czar. He's one of my uh, my Grand Lodge officers and a deputy COVID czar. And they have different duties. So the COVID czar is monitoring our relief plan. We, to, we got together the, the four most influential groups that we have in, in our D.C. Grand Lodge that provide relief. They all do it different ways, uh, Scottish Rite, Masonic and Eastern Star Home, St. John's Might, and Masonic Foundation. They all provide help, money, 
differently. And the process sometimes is clunky and takes a while. And so we all got together. They were terrific. And we have a streamlined process managed by the COVID czar uh, to make sure that we get relief where we need it as quickly as we can. Secondly, the deputy COVID czar is in charge of getting things to people. So that means linking up folks that have need for toilet paper or water or uh, baby formula, whatever the need is this week. Uh, We have uh, a means of matching them up and delivering to them what they need. One unique thing maybe about DC, we're a very small grand jurisdiction, right? We're only whatever it is, 10 by 10 miles. But about 70, 80% of the Masons in my grand jurisdiction are not in DC. We're spread throughout Maryland and Virginia. And of course, many in Florida, like many other grand lodges, different places. So there's no local lodge that men can go to, to go pick any of this stuff up. There's no local lodge that that they can go to to for fellowship or to see each other. So it's it's all done virtually. We capitalize on technology. We're using uh, the internet and spreadsheets and, and Zoom and send other different types of uh, video conferencing. But that's how we're getting it done. What is your what's your guess on the long term impact on the craft? We we had done an episode where we were talking about kind of the work from home concept, the meet from home concept. Is that do you see us as a, we'll always meet in person and we, that's, that's what we do. But do you think will these adaptive technologies will continue to use them to maybe communicate better than we have been in the more traditional sense of just meeting in person? Another great question. I, I tell my officers in Grand Lodge that we're going to come out of this a stronger Grand Lodge than we were before. And we're going to be stronger because we're stressing communication right now. We're reaching out to every member in every lodge just to say hello, to see how he's doing, how his family's doing. You know, we've never done that before. And, and, and nobody's a moving target right now, right? Everybody's stationary, so they're easy to find. And there's no excuse for not finding someone unless they don't have a phone or, or the internet. So we'll be stronger once this passes. But we're not planning on taking advantage of technology to where we're doing virtual degrees or any of that kind of stuff. Each of our lodges is going to have a problem once this clears up and who knows how long that's going to be but we have degree work that is is waiting to be done and so one thing our grand lodge is going to do and i'm sure other grand lodges are are thinking about doing this i'm not already planning it is we're going to put on degrees probably weekend after weekend after weekend at grand lodge level not a grand master's class or anything like that but degrees where we grand lodge officers actually put on the degrees so it's a challenge for us but we want to help lodges catch up, especially if some of our lodges, they only meet you know, four times or six times a year. They don't, they're not going to be able to, to finish their work this year unless we help them. So that's what we're trying to do. The, the other thing with technology, I'm getting questions from a number of our lodges about whether or not they can put together virtual officer sessions or virtual meetings with not ritual-based, but where they can discuss ritual or discuss lodge business. Some of them need to meet to, to approve lodge business. So I'm going to work that out with our uh, our Grand Lodge officers and our jurisprudence folks and, and put out something Grand Lodge-wide about what the guidance is on that. But they're all capable of making those decisions. They're all going to meet virtually one way or another. And I'm excited and proud of the leadership that we have at, uh, at Lodge level. Yeah, I think that's awesome. It's back to your earlier point about the degrees. You live in a transient city where people, they could be in the military or just on a short-term assignment or whatever, and so you, you need to get them through. Or I worry about some guys losing interest if it goes four or five months and, and 
you know, through no fault of anybody's, we haven't been able to get them through a degree. So I, I think your strategy is right to try to push them through. And that, that doesn't mean their experience is any less, but it's just, I think uh, uh, you're putting together a focused effort to make sure we don't lose them. And I think it illustrates in the bigger way what Freemasonry is about. And that is about people, men caring for one another and, and, uh, and doing all the things that uh, they're going to learn as they take those degrees and hear our ritual. I'd like to hear from Bill on, on any thoughts or questions you might okay, have. Okay, can you hear me now? First of all, I want to say that I was impressed with almost every jurisdiction in the world, how quickly they responded to this situation, this emergency, and asked their members to shutter in place and to and suspend the labor for this time just for the sake of their for the country and their, for their members. As we are all been discussing, you have really taken this to another level, and like the other fellows have said how kicked us up a notch. And I was just, as soon as I read what Chris Hodap had put in there, I was just amazed because there was a brother of mine from Indiana who I'd seen. He says, well, this just make this destroy the momentum of masonry. And, and I can see his point. But to me, I was thinking this could be almost the opposite. There's always this saying how great steel is made by being forged in flames and, and heat. I'm thinking that, you know, if we go and take this opportunity to talk to these brethren who we haven't seen in the lodge in a long time and do, like you said, re ask them, do you need anything? And I was so impressed with the way, not only the way you decided to communicate with these brethren, but the way you dovetailed all your charity and getting your resources you know, together to where somebody, if, well, hey, we need, you know, our baby needs formula or we need diapers or we don't have toilet paper and how you arrange for the transportation and the possibility of getting it to them. That's just amazing to me how you came up with this. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of organizations that just, they'd be stymied right now. And I really take my hat off to you. You guys have done a marvelous job. And especially, and to me, it really, it just shows True Masonic charity, which is something that so much of us lack these days because it seems like so many of us times we're just beating the drum for membership and we take Masonic charity as a way to try to get more members instead of actually doing what it was intended to do. And so I am just in awe of your opportunity that you're doing here. But I just really think that you guys are on the right track. And I just, I really think that you guys, you're doing the way you're doing that. You know, the other Grand Lodges could really see what you're doing and possibly emulate you, and they could possibly make masonry even better than it already is and make it stronger by just taking this opportunity. Yeah, if you guys keep this up, I'm going to ask you to call me every week. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I had the opportunity to see your video that you put out, and not only did you explain how, you know, you were going to do this, but you said it in a calm voice. You said it in an assuring way. You put people at ease. I could totally see how someone who who might be really worried about what's going to happen or what's going to be in the future, and oh my goodness, what you know, what they can hear you and say, yeah, it's going to be all right. And I think that's what we you know we need right now is strong leadership at the helm. And I think that you're providing that for the brethren in D.C. And I take my hat off to you, sir. I really do. I, I really appreciate appreciate that. Thank you. I, I will say that all the grand jurisdictions, honestly, are, are doing what they need to do. The ones that I know are, are taking the right steps. And in DC, we're we're relatively small, right? So I can do things maybe faster than some other grand jurisdictions can. And I, I'm thankful I don't have the headaches of some of the humongous grand jurisdictions that are out there. I, I will tell you though, Bill, just the video part. Um, we're blessed with a lot of young masons, right, that understand this way better than I do. And so. My plan is to put out a video every week 
I stole that, of course, from Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the whole fireside chat thing. But I, I do want to talk to our grand jurisdiction every week, and I've engaged my grand lodge officers to put out something content every week, and we're just going to do what we can to to continue to put the message out there, let them know what's happening, let them know, you know, who's taking not who's taking advantage of the relief, obviously, but that the fact that it's working is is the main thing I want to get across. We're also going to have a town hall uh, in uh, 30th of March, and that's going to be with me and my grand lodge physician. And uh, a couple other people, as soon as we figure out the spacing of this. <laughs> and that'll be open to all of our grand jurisdiction. We're doing it through uh, YouTube live. And they'll have the opportunity to ask questions about, you know, maybe that they don't know yet. Does this disease spread or does this virus spread through delivery of food? Or are you, should you be worried about getting the supplies from other people? Or do I have to worry about my pets mingling with other pets? All these other kind of questions that that guys may have that uh, they're not getting answered someplace else. Our Grand Lodge physician and our uh, our CDC expert will be able to hopefully address. So that that's part of our communication plan. And I think, Mike, communication is the number one uh, thing that will make this succeed. And I hope this event or these series of this national emergency, I actually consider it, will consider all of us to improve all of our communication after it's over. I think bringing resources forward and, and, and all those are great things that Grand Lodges can do. I think you've just taken to that next notch of figuring out the communication level. And in this day and age, and like you said, you've got younger members that know the technologies, just like we're using one here tonight to speak with you, it's easy. And so, but I think all of us are responsible for that communication effort. It's not just a Grand Lodge responsibility. You know, I'm, I'm master one of our local lodges, and the secretary and I, uh, we're talking about communicating with our members. Darren and I are also in another uh, Blue Lodge here, and, and Darren was taking the leadership role of contacting our members, and they want to hear from us. And I think that the best thing you can do is just call a brother or reach out to him and say, how you doing? Are you okay? And I hope that's something we continue even after we get through this this current COVID uh, crisis. So that I think, Mike, you said it earlier, that we're made for this. This is what we're built for. This is what we stand for. And I think maybe over the years, that's a little bit of what we've lost, despite all the channels for communication. And I hope to see us continue that down the road. Because really, to me, Freemasonry is about that relationship with another brother. That's that's what it's all about. The ritual and, and those kind of things are the, the methods how we communicate our, our message or our uh, our allegories, but the, the special one-to-one relationships and those kinds of things are what really, to me, how I benefit from this fraternity. I, I would just piggyback real quick, Greg, on one thing about leadership. This is an unprecedented opportunity for lodge leaders to step up. I'm glad to hear that you're doing that with your lodge. My goal in all this is not to create a, a, a new organizational monster at Grand Lodge level, but to inspire our leaders at lodge level to do what they need to do and to use this the organizations and process that we already have in place. The, we have a Masters of Wardens Association. We've got all these other organizations that provide uh, aid normally. We're using them. I'm, I'm not going to create anything new or different at, at Grand Lodge level. But as I've told my masters, doing nothing is also a form of leadership. 
And this is where you get to see who, who can step up and who's going to to lead. And uh, so far, I have not been disappointed in my masters. Uh, I am calling each one of them, right? So in terms of being stronger when this is over, I would not normally do that. But because of this crisis, I'm, I'm trying to do that and talk to each one of them. And so I'm positive that we will be a stronger Grand Lodge once we get through this. Darren, you have led our local effort of the idea of reaching out to not only our members, but our widows. Why don't, why don't you comment a little bit about even maybe some of the on, offline conversations we've had amongst our you know, small town lodge members and, and some of the things that, that we've talked about doing uh, just here locally? As you mentioned, Greg, I spent a better part of yesterday reaching out to all of our widows, regardless if they're local or not even in the state anymore. A few of them are in uh, Virginia, Florida, uh, spread out to the some of the warmer climes to you know Florida, Arizona, that sort of thing. And then also reaching out to uh, what I would consider our, our at-risk members, those that are that we know have health issues. Uh, just checking in on them, making sure they're okay, making sure they don't need anything. So locally. Our downstairs space is retail space, which we rent out, and we've uh, discussed and I uh, talked to our worship master. I'm currently senior warden, I'm going to do a second tour, most likely in the east there at St. Joe, assuming I'm elected, assuming we have elections. Uh, Fred may be master for <laughs> longer than he anticipated at this point, but our client uh, is closed today and tomorrow, but on Tuesday morning, I am going to reach out to them and let them know that they're rent for the next month is taken care of. We're not going to charge them rent and we'll just kind of reevaluate as this thing goes on. Most importantly, we want to help out where we can locally and help out our, our charity that we support in St. Joe is the local food bank and uh, reach out to them as well. Make sure that they don't need anything or if they're short on funds to you know help possibly in that area, but just trying to do what we can to help uh, our widows, our brethren, and then the community at large. And I think Darren has just done a spectacular job, and I and I had him bring that up, not to toot our own horn, but to illustrate, I think, to, to Mike, your point about the, the local leadership, that's really where Freemasonry is anyway. To me, it's all local. Grand Lodges kind of provide a an umbrella to, to bring us all together, but the action is done at the local level. And, and Darren, to me, has just been outstanding in taking this on and, and calling the widows and members. And, and Darren, I'm sure they probably, some of them have, haven't heard from us in some time. So not only are we asking about their needs, but we're, we're getting in front of them. And I think that's the, the most important uh, thing we can do. So Mike, what other thoughts do you have or, or what else is going on in the jurisdiction in general that we could touch on? Yeah, I was just going to say that you guys just gave me two more ideas. Uh, I'm not sure how well we're getting in touch with our widows, but that's a great thing. I, I just need to check with my masters to make sure that we're on top of that. And the other thing which I really hadn't thought about, which but which is a great idea, is we don't want to forget about those charities or causes that our lodges normally support. They're probably hurting more than ever. And our tendency is obviously, especially when we see our, our investments get slammed, is to withdraw and not want to, uh, to, to give money. And so we'll, I'll check on that too, just to see 
you know, those, those causes that we normally support, especially the, the ones that support uh, women and children. There's a specific one in D.C. we support where they take in battered, uh, battered women and children and uh, make sure we're continuing to take care of them. So that's uh, those are two good, two good points. Thank you. Well, I think we could talk for hours on the details of COVID, but that wasn't our intent. Bring it on, Mike. Why don't we we'll kind of wrap this session up and three of us give uh, closing thoughts and then Mike will kind of let you wrap it up in the very end. Again, to me, this is an opportunity to reach out to a brother. Call him, preferably text him, email him, Facebook him, whatever. But we'll try to touch all of our members. You know, the average age in Illinois is probably 70 plus, which is exactly the the highest at risk group in this national crisis or those with pre-existing medical conditions. We have a lot of members that they frankly just can't come to Lodge or it's been years since they have because of uh, their age or they've just been away. I know Todd Creason, another local secretary, he, he had reached out to some of our members that are 90 plus and they were glad to hear from him. So I think when you call a member and they, they hear your voice on the phone, they're going to be reassured that somebody is looking out for them and thinking about them. We're not asking for anything. Matter of fact, we're asking them what they need. And I think that illustrates Freemasonry more than anything else. Well, Bill? I can't really offer anything that you guys haven't already offered other than maybe just offer to help out the secretary. Ask for some brethren who you've never talked to, call them and see if they need anything and maybe strike up a new friendship. And then once this emergency is over, invite them back to lodge. And if they're you know in a situation where they can't drive to lodge after it, offer to take them back and drive them there. See if you can get them to come back. And if you think about it, maybe some of these people who haven't stepped foot in lodge in a long time, but they start talking to us and they say, well, gee, they really do care about us. Who knows? They might actually want to come back and join us. Just be safe and try to take care of yourselves and each other. That's all we can all do. I wrote an article that uh, was published on the Midnight Freemasons blog this past Wednesday, and it was entitled, It's Our Time to Shine. And the the gist of the article was that uh, we need to be, as a fraternity, the light and the darkness that we're currently facing. This challenge that we're facing is one that is unprecedented, I mean, for our lifetime. And we need to lead by example and do exactly the things that I've been doing, you know, calling the widows, calling the, the other brothers, making sure they're okay, making sure they don't need anything. And then also at the local level, reaching out to those charities that you support, making sure that they are taken care of. So Bill said, we're all in this together. We need to, I think, as Freemasons, set an example uh, for our communities. And hopefully in setting an example, maybe those a man or two men or three men, however many uh, folks that see that and then maybe think to themselves, you know, I want to be part of that. So not only can we help the community help each other, but hopefully also as in setting an example, gain some uh, much needed membership. Mike, what are your closing thoughts as we bring this episode to a close? Well, I want to thank you for inviting me to, to be part of your your presentation or podcast here. I didn't even know about you guys. And now that I do, I intend to help share uh, what you're doing with the rest of my grand jurisdiction. So I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, in terms of communication, I just started, for example, on Twitter. And that's that's where I first saw Bill. But I started to use Twitter because things are changing every single day with this crisis. 
sometimes multiple times a day. How many people can meet, for example, change two or three times in one day, and we kept adjusting our plan. So I'm trying to reach people with immediate changes via Twitter, and then we have all of our normal normal communication outlets that we use that go out weekly or, or monthly. One, one thing, too, that I want to mention was there, there are Masons who we've been talking about all the, the rubber meets the road type of Freemasonry where we're taking care of people, uh, we're taking care of our widows, our families, our brethren, we're reaching out. That is all super. We have men, however, who also still have a hunger for the esoteric piece of Freemasonry. So I've engaged our grand, we have a grand order, and uh, frankly, some most of what he says goes way over my head, but he speaks uh, a language that many of our brethren can relate to. And so we're also going to have uh, pieces that he's going to continue to do so that men who want to still practice that part of Freemasonry, the esoteric part, will still get something to feed that hunger in addition to, you know, who to call for uh, for baby formula. So I'd just like to, to say thank you again for this opportunity. What you're doing is great, and I hope that uh, what you're doing continues to grow. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us tonight, Mike. Uh, we appreciate your leadership in the Grand Lodge of D.C., and, and frankly, all the Grand Masters across the United States and North America, or the world for that matters, that are really helping lead the way. And, you know, Freemasonry has long been known for its great leaders. And this time period in history is no exception. The issues might be different, but men step up to do the job. And so to all of our listeners, uh, we hope you have gained some insight. We appreciate you following us. Check out the, the Grand Lodge of Washington, D.C. website. I've been on it. There's some great information. Stay safe. Tune into your local information to find out what is happening with the COVID national emergency. Uh, stay safe and, and do as advised. So with that, we'll wrap up another episode of Meat Act and Park, and we hope to see you again soon. Thank you.